Welcome to Thrive Lathrop Podcast. Here at our church, we believe that everyone can thrive. Make sure to subscribe to our channel and enjoy this life-changing message. All right, good morning. Come on now, can we just give it up for our dream team this morning? Worship, production, kids, coffee, connect. Can't do it without our dream team. Thank you for being with us today. Uh, it's a good day to be in church. Come on now, it's gonna be good. Hey, one more time, I'm gonna have you give it up for one more group of people. And for those that come to every week, every week to 10.30, we do this every week. Can we give it up for everybody watching online this morning? Come on, let's welcome them. Thank you for watching online with us. Appreciate you. I know you can't be in the room. We miss you. I promise we miss you. Even though it might feel like we don't, we do. Promise we miss you, and uh, we'd love to see you in the room soon, but we're glad that you're with us online today. All right, let's do this. Let's jump in. I got a lot to say in a little bit of time, and so I'm trying not to talk fast. Bad joke for those that know me. All right, do me a favor. Stand your feet. Come on, let's jump in. Going to be continuing our Sandcastle series today. Um... And I'll just, I'll just going to give you a prerequisite for the message. Uh, a couple things. One, before we jump into what we're going to talk about, I promise I love you all. <laughs> all right? So it's going to get a little, it's gonna, I'm, I'm coming in a little hot today. I'm going to be honest. Um, so I love you all. And secondly, I believe that what God is going to speak to us this morning, what, what we're going to dive into, uh, the conversation we're going to have and the word, man, I just think it's necessary to talk about what we're going to talk about in this time. Um, and so we're going to jump right in. And I believe that it's all out of love and it's all out of God wanting us to really understand and articulate the season we're in and what we're called to do, if that makes sense. Okay. So we're going to read Luke chapter 14, verses 25 to 33. If you have your Bible, what it would say in the top of this passage is counting the cost. All right. Counting the cost. And it says this, it says, now great crowds accompanied him. And he turned and said to them, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, and even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. For which of you desiring to build, everybody say build. Build a tower, does not first sit down and count the costs, whether he has enough to complete it. Otherwise, when he has laid a foundation and is not able to finish, all who sees it begin to mock him, saying, this man began to build and was not able to finish. Or what king going out to encounter another king in war will not sit down first, deliberate whether he is able with 10,000 to meet him who comes against him with 20,000. Verse 32. And if not, while the other is yet a great way off, he sends a delegation and asks for terms of peace. Last verse. Therefore, anyone of you who does not renounce all that he has cannot be my disciple. Come on, let's pray. Jesus, help us to hear what you're saying. God, help us to lock in for what you have to say in this room to your people. God, I pray I'd get out of the way and that Jesus, you would begin to just draw people closer and unto you. We love you. We thank you. And in Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. 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 Have a seat. All right. I'm going to sit down with y'all. Good, good. Feel like what I want to do today 
I have a, a, a bunch of notes and some things to talk through, but, but I feel like kind of having more of a sit-down, conversation, coffee-style moment with us today. Is that okay? Is that cool? Okay. And, and this is why. Obviously, we just read that verse. That's, that's an intense verse, y'all. Like, Jesus isn't playing, right? So, so, so here you have Jesus. The Bible says that a great crowd follows him, right? He's just hanging out. Imagine this dude's like, I don't know, at the mall or something or Target. And, and he just has people following him. And you're going to notice this, that Jesus does this through the Gospels. For those that are unfamiliar with the Gospels or if you're familiar a little bit, Jesus does this thing where he tends to just like turn around and see people. And it's almost as if, I don't know, the, the way I think of it, I, I know this isn't the case, but the way I, I imagine it in my brain is for those that are like introverts in the room, you ever been like at a party? And there's way too many people, and you're like, I'm going to leave. The party could be great, but you're just getting all, like, claustrophobic, you know? And, and so it's kind of like Jesus just sees everyone, and he's like, nah, there's too many people here. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say something that makes them mad. That's what he does. And John, he does the same thing. Thousands of people are following him, hundreds if not thousands. He turns around, sees a bunch of people, and he's like, all right, I'm going to say something that makes them mad. And he's like, if you don't drink my blood... And eat my flesh, you can have no part of me. That's what Jesus says. Gangster statements of Jesus, I'm just being honest. And everyone's like, what the heck? What do you mean eat your flesh and drink your blood? Like, that's cannibalism, bro. Like, that's, that's like serial killer stuff. That's what Jesus said. And, and like, Jesus does this thing often where he doesn't even explain himself. He just says it. And then people are like, all right, I'm out. And they just walk away. He kind of does this in this statement. And this passage in particular um, has a weird history with it. Um, a lot of people have turned this passage and have manipulated it and have done very like vile and evil things in the name of Christianity with this passage. Wars, racism, the idea that hatred is allowed in the Bible because Jesus calls us to hate. And that's not true. What, what Jesus is actually saying, hate is kind of a weird definition. Um, the, the Greek word, if you break it down, the word hate is actually talking about how you cannot love something more than the Lord, okay? So this is what Jesus is saying to this group of people who are following him. He said, hey, if you wanna follow me, which is still a very difficult statement. Hate, I think, is an intense word, but it's still a very difficult statement. He says, hey, if you wanna follow me, everything in your life that you love, you cannot love it more than you love me. Everything, your wife, your spouse, your family, your kids, your brothers, your sisters, if you aren't willing to choose me over them, we're going to have a problem. You're not going to make it. Because why? Jesus is demanding our whole heart, not just some of it. Okay? And then he relates it to the idea of a builder. I was, I was just talking with one of the pastors earlier, which was funny. Um, he, he, he told me this, and I thought this was a good. He says, how many of you ever... Right, not the pastor, but Jesus says, how many of you know of a man who built a tower and he didn't finish the tower and now he looks ridiculed and he, he, the people mock him because he didn't finish the tower. Same thing with a man who goes to war and he thinks he can win the war but didn't count the cost and he ends up losing the war. And, 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 the, and the pastor who I was talking to is like, yeah, it's kind of like for those that grew up in a Hispanic household, anybody like Hispanics, Mexicans? I'm gonna be honest, that's all I can talk about because I'm Hispanic and Mexican, right? I'm not trying to get canceled or anything, you know what I'm saying? So... Like, you ever have, like, that Hispanic uncle or dad that never finishes the bathroom? <laughs> right? 
It's like, mijo, I'm going to Home Depot this week. It's like, okay. And it like never finishes. The, like the bathroom's always under construction. It's just kind of weird, right? Or you, certain parts of the home, they're always under construction. Like they're not finished and it's just kind of awkward. Jesus says, hey, those of you that are following me, if you don't love me wholeheartedly, that's what you look like to people when you are one foot in with me and one foot in the world. And Jesus would say to us today through this passage that if you do not follow me wholeheartedly, if I am not your everything, if I am not the thing that you have centered your life on, what are we doing? Because this is what we've done. And I'm going to say a statement that I think is a little bit controversial, but I think this is important to understand, is that we have, we don't understand the difference between emotional affection and relational commitment. Okay? We don't understand the difference between I like someone or I have feelings for someone and that I am committed in a relationship with someone. And so I'll use this as an example. How many of you remember when you were in middle school, I'm going to talk to the fellas in the room, and you liked that girl? Like you really liked her. Like you followed her and you were low-key a stalker. I tell this to teenagers all the time because they still do this. You know what's funny? It doesn't matter what the generation is. There's still some things that always last. So for example, like there's a fine line, and I've said this before. There's a fine line between love and stalker for dudes. Now, instead of dudes stalking girls by changing the way they go to class and like moving lockers with their friends, right? That's my generation, right? right? Getting their phone number from another friend, but it's like a house phone. So you got to make sure like their mom doesn't answer. I still know. I know I look like I'm 20, but I had a house phone. Now they just stalk people on TikTok and Instagram, right? Like that's the most awkward thing when you have someone like all of your pictures at once. If you're a young person, you know exactly what I'm talking about. It's weird. Don't do it. It's just weird, fellas. Don't, don't start going on a girl's Instagram and liking 30 pictures in 10 seconds. It's stalker and it's awkward, right? So, so why I say that, it's kind of a funny joke, but why I say that is because um, you obviously love the person, but the person doesn't love you back. And just because you are in emotional affection doesn't mean you're in a real relationship. And what we have done is we want emotional affection from God but we don't want to make the commitment of a real relationship with Jesus. And what we have done is we have, we have uh, given up our calling to be in relationship with God based on the way we feel, based on how God responds to us, based on what God can do for us. And Jesus in this passage says, no, no, no. If you want to fall in love with me, and if you want a relationship with me, this is what it's going to cost you. Because in this walk, I need you to know this today, that if you're going to follow God, it's going to be costly, but it's so going to be worth it. Here's my question I have for everyone that I believe God would ask us today, is that is authentic spiritual formation developing currently? Are you developing in your walk with God? Or are you playing lip service because you have the title of Christian on your social media status or with your friends? Are you allowing God to form you 
from the inside out? Are you allowing God to build you? Are you allowing God to grow you? Are, are, it doesn't matter what you did 10 years ago. It doesn't matter what you did 20 years ago. It doesn't matter what you, when you preached for that men's breakfast in 1992. It doesn't matter if you prayed with all the hermanas. That's like an old Hispanic church term, right? It doesn't matter if you prayed with all the old intercessory ladies in 2004. It doesn't matter how many Easter services you helped with. It doesn't matter what your pastor dad did or your uncle or your grandparents. What are you doing today? today to follow Jesus. And my challenge would be this, that if you aren't following Jesus today, you're not following Jesus at all. I told you it was going to be a little tough. I was coming in hot. I told you. And that, my friends, is the question of the hour. That, my friends, I believe is one of the main questions God would ask his church in general today is that where we actually following him in his ways. Because we live in a culture that is so often talked about God, but yet doesn't know God. Has a form of religion, but not true relationship. And let me tell you, Jesus did not die for popularity. He died for people. And Jesus is not interested in crowds. He's interested in discipleship. He wants real authentic relationship. And that real authentic relationship starts with discipleship. Discipleship, the ability to follow God and become him. That's what discipleship means. Allowing us to become Jesus. That's the adoption process. That's the family process. That's the marriage process. That's us learning what it means to take our relationship with God serious. And, and it's just something even I've been talking to my wife with a lot is that we live in a generation that takes nothing serious. Like, I, I don't know about you, but do you see the way your kids dress to go to high school? I am shook. Shooketh to the core. That homegirls wear sweatpants and Crocs. Shook. I'm just being honest. Bun, T-shirt, Crocs, sweatpants. Every day. When I was in high school, it was like one day. And not just every day. Like, same thing, your, your kids, your boys, too. Like, I, I don't understand this. And, and that's how you know you're getting old when the generation after you starts doing things that don't make sense, right? I'm, I'm, I'm getting there. I know I look like I'm 15, but I'm getting there. I don't like their music. I don't understand that mumble rap stuff is garbage, right? I just, whatever, right? And, and I don't understand. Like, like, it's not just the way they dress. Uh, <laughs> we were just talking about this with some friends. It's not just the way they dress like to school on the regular. It's like the first day of school, they're wearing Crocs and sweatpants. They don't take nothing serious. And to a degree, I think there's some beauty to that because they are not bound by the status and the pressure of what we were bound with right? Because we cared way too much what people thought. Too many people were idols in our life and their opinion. But at the same time, it's like the pendulum swung all the other way. Now they don't care about what anybody thinks. And then I wonder if they reproach God the same way, that they don't care what God thinks about them and they don't have a seriousness to their relationship with Jesus. And I think what we have to do is we have to ask ourselves this question, is there a seriousness in our heart for our walk with God? And so Jesus explains this that discipleship looks like a man who builds a tower. And I want to just show you this little example real quick. If you go to the house model, that would be great. I want to give you this little idea. I call it the house model. 
which is what our life looks like. This is what I believe God wants to do with us in the area of discipleship. And so the, a house is made up in four different things. I want you to write this down. If you're taking notes, pull out your phone, write this down. A house is made up, I believe, of four concepts, right? Uh, and this is just kind of fundamental, basic explanation of how God was explaining this in my brain, and I hope it helps someone. And so obviously a house has a foundation. So number one is a foundation. Number two is a building. Number, like, like the building of the house so you have the foundation, right? You can't build a house without a foundation. Number two, you actually gotta build the house, all right? I'm gonna go through these really fast and then explain them. Number three is then you make your house your home. For those of you that know, it's not just about buying a house and building a house, then you gotta make the house your home. And then number four, who is the house for? Like who are you gonna invite to your house, right? Make sense? Make sense? And so go back to the first one. So the foundation, we talked about this last week. Our foundation is founded on God's attributes. We build the house. Now I want you to imagine your life as a house and God is a builder. We talked about that last week and we're gonna talk about that this week. And here's the reality is that I believe that if God is gonna build something in us that's gonna sustain and last, if God's gonna build something in us that aren't sandcastles that are washed away when the storm comes, that are washed away when waves come, then we have to build according to how God wants us to build. And so our foundation, number one, is God's attributes. Who God is, right? His ways, does that make sense? Good. The second thing, the frame of the house, the stucco of the house, right? The building of the house, the second one, building. The second thing of the house is I believe that's God's formation. That's discipleship, okay? The third one is then who do we make the house for? How do we make the house a home? Because it, it doesn't matter if you just have blank walls, Right? I think of like young people, like especially dudes who like get an apartment, although they have is like a lawn chair and a bed. Like college students. Like, no, you gotta make it a home, fellas. That's most of your wives, they make it a home. You wouldn't buy the stuff at IKEA, but they do. That's why you can't send your wives to Target by themselves, let's be honest. Because they start buying all this home stuff that you think is unnecessary, but we're gonna make it a home. I'm, just, I'm using quotes because in all actuality, that's me. My wife doesn't do that. I'm the one that goes to Target and spends money. I'm just gonna be honest. I'm just gonna be real. So who's the home for? I believe number three is God's presence. God is making a home. No, go back. Yep. God is making a home in you for him. Oh, that's so good. You, someone's gotta catch that. God is making a home in you for him. Not for everyone else first, for him. He wants a place where he can dwell. You and I need to have a home where the presence of God stays and lives in every part of our life. And then who do we invite to our house? I call that God's mission. God wants to invite sons and daughters, lost people, broken people, addicts, hurting people into the house. So he wants you to be a home that's not just for his presence, but for his people that don't know him. Okay, so here's the deal. Some of us want to be so focused on step four when you haven't allowed to God to build your house in step two. We are so focused on maybe inviting a place for the presence of God or in making a place where God can bring people, where we can be a place that invites people who don't know Jesus, right? We're, 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 we want to be light and salt to the earth. We, that's what Jesus would describe it. We, we want to be evangelists. That's like the super spiritual term, right? We, we, want, we want to be people who would reach people, the lost and the broken, yet you haven't allowed God to form the right parts of your house. Your house is deficient 
because you have not allowed the discipleship process to take place. You have not allowed authentic formation to happen. This is what Jesus would say, is that you have tried to build your house, but you have not counted the cost. You have not taken discipleship serious. And here's the statement that I would say that everyone I believe in this room needs to hear today, is that there is no relationship without discipleship. Yeah? Here's what we've done in the Western church. We have taught how to... That, that, that God loves us, and he does. Oh, he does. And God's amazing. And he wants a relationship with us. Oh, he does. And we have taught that we've gotten really good with talking about the relationship side of God. But I feel like there's a deficiency in communicating the discipleship side of God. And why is that so important? That's so important because if we aren't communicating what Jesus is communicating. It's not me making this up. This is Jesus. Again, Jesus is turning to people. And it's like, hey, if you don't hate your brother, if you don't hate your father, if you don't hate your mother, you can't follow me. If you love other things more than you love me, this is what discipleship looks like. Laying down the things we love so that way we can experience the greatest love of humanity, which is Jesus. This is what real biblical Christianity looks like. I will surrender my life so that way I could find my life in him. And have we done people a disservice by telling them that they can stay the same and keep everything that they've had before Jesus and still follow Jesus with all their junk and all their garbage? That's the question I have. That's the conviction of my heart. Have we told people that God is not interested in transforming you? You are totally okay with just being who you are. Now, I'm not saying you have to change before you come to him. I'm not, that's a fallacy too, because that's what religion teaches. Religion teaches, get your life together before you come to church. That's so false as well. Jesus absolutely will take you as you are. But in the process, Jesus will cost, Jesus will ask you to lose things that will cost you. It's just how it is because he determines the guidelines of the relationship. I don't know if you've ever dated someone and you have to have the DTR conversation. Defining the relationship. Anybody know what I'm talking about? It's like when you're talking to someone, are you a boyfriend, are you a girlfriend, are you a thing, are you not a thing? You got to DTR the relationship. Listen, Jesus DTRs the relationship. And it's not based on what you want him to do. It's all based on him. Why? Because he's the one that pursued you first. You never chose him. God chose you. You didn't start it off. He started it off. He rescued you. He saved you. He healed you. He set you free. And if you're going to continue to walk in that freedom, here is how we define the relationship. And to Jesus, it's this thing called discipleship. It's this thing called discipleship. I don't want a relationship with God on my terms. Because a relationship with God on my terms is not a biblical relationship. It's a humanistic relationship. And a humanistic relationship that will always be built on sand and will always get tossed in to and fro when the storm comes. And so I want to make sure that us as a house, we understand this. Because this is what Jesus says, is that will we be a people who follow him no matter what? Let me, let me explain. I, I think this is a good analogy to kind of help walk through this. So um, I'm going to stand up for this one. All right. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I don't know if you watch the news 
I feel like a lot of people don't anymore. Let's be honest. Like, I, I get it. The news is kind of crazy, too, so I try not to. Um, but, but there's this thing that's really happening for the last few months that's a really big deal in the Middle East. And what's happening is, is there's a revolution, particularly with young women in Iran, who are trying to combat the, the almost dictatorship laws of Sharia law in the Muslim nation of Iran. Okay? I don't know if you know this. It's a big deal. Like, people are dying. And, and here's what they're finding, actually, with some of it, not all of it. Some of it's also different philosophical ideologies and stuff. But, but one of the main ideologies that has been rooted in this idea of revolution for the Iranian people, in particular young Iranian people, is that they're finding that not just hundreds, family, thousands and thousands of people in Iran are coming to know Jesus and getting saved. Thousands. Easter every week. Like real stuff. And this is how they get saved. Check, check this out. This is next level stuff. This is what's happening in Iran. It's been happening for the last 15, 20 years. A revival is breaking out in the nation of Iran right now. Thousands of people coming to know Jesus. Thousands of people encountering God. Thousands of people saying no and leaving their life behind Muslim ideology and saying yes to the one who would save their life. Here's how it's happening. They don't do church because they can't meet. They can't meet because they're in a dictatorship society. They're in a society that's very controlled. And Muslim law is the law. I'm telling you, go, go Google this if you want when you get home, okay? Muslim law is the law. You can fact check me, I promise. And, and here's how it's happening. People are praying for the nation of Iran. Christians are meeting in homes because they can't meet in public. And here's what's happening. Their prayers are being answered by God. And this is how people are getting saved. Jesus is showing up in people's houses or in their dreams in the middle of the night. Not Jesus, okay? <laughs> like not just a random dude named Jesus. Jesus by the thousands. There's stories, hundreds of them, thousands of them, of people saying, one day I woke up in the middle of the night and I heard something and a man was in my house with white hair and a golden sash in white clothes who eyes looked like they were on fire and he called me to leave my Muslim religion behind and to follow him. Amen. Jesus coming like a man with holes in his hands. Like the same way he showed up to the disciples. Guys, that's crazy stuff. I don't know about you, but I've never seen Jesus in my life. Apparently, God has not found me worthy to see him like that. But to the people of the Iranian world, he's doing it. In dreams, people literally having dreams of God showing up in their dream. And they wake up and they say, Jesus is Lord. And they're crying under the presence of God. Yo, what? That's wild stuff. And then this is what happens. When you are a Muslim, especially in that area in the Middle East, Iran, Saudi, Afghanistan. What you have to do is you get saved. You can accept Jesus as Lord. But what they, what they do is you have to get baptized to show everyone you're a Christian. That's just their tradition, which is very biblical. And here's what happens. When they get baptized to confess that Jesus is Lord, to show people that they are dead to their old self and they're renewed in Jesus and now they're a follower of Jesus and his way, their family hosts a funeral for them because they are now dead to them and their entire family. That's what they say yes to. 
and yet we trip because they didn't play Hillsong for worship or because the coffee wasn't hot enough or because service was too long because the preacher didn't preach what I wanted him to preach because God is asking me to stop social media or stop this relationship with this girl or guy which is toxic for me anyway or to stop doing the things that I know are killing me on the inside like addiction but yet these people in the Middle East when they get baptized and they say yes to Jesus because they encountered the living God and it wasn't even through a sermon or a message. It was, it was through a real encounter with Jesus. They're saying no to everything else and they're saying yes to him. Amen. And I don't know about you, but when I hear that story, it convicts me and it challenges me. And I ask myself this question, am I following Jesus because I love him or am I playing Christianity because I think that's what's better for me? And I don't want to be stuck in consumerism, self-help Christianity. I want God to know that I am committed to the relationship. I want God to know that he has all of me. I want my family to know that the end of my life, when I go down into the grave, I don't want them to know me as a good preacher. I don't want them to know me as a good pastor. I don't want them to know me as a good person. I want people to know me as I'm someone who followed Jesus wholeheartedly, that there was no other love that got in the way of my relationship with God. And I believe that's what Jesus would call us to. He would call us to this real, authentic discipleship where we would absolutely fall in love with him. And don't get me wrong, I love church. I, I love it. Like, guys, we do church. We do worship. We do the lights. We do the coffee. We do it all. I love it. I just don't want to replace that with the real thing. You can have both. We live in America. You know, Veterans Day weekend. Thank God for our vets. Thank God for the people who gave their life for this country. Thank God for the service of the people who gave, li who gave their life for this country. However, wouldn't it be a shame that in a country in Iran, who is an intense persecution, yet we live in absolute freedom in America, that our freedom became our comfortability, which turned into our coffin. I don't want the freedom I have in America to turn into consumerism. And I don't want Jesus to be a political figure or something that we manipulate so that way we can get whatever we want. Because in this relationship, family, Jesus defines the boundaries. And one of the things Jesus will ask us, he's going to ask us a ton of stuff. He asks us, do you have another love other than me? Do you have a love that's greater than me? And then he will ask you, if you do, are you willing to leave it for me? Again, he's not asking you to divorce. He's not asking you to hate your kids. Don't start thinking all these crazy things. Stop. Don't hear what I'm not saying. But what Jesus is, he's going to the heart of your life. Do you love your job more than him? Do you love your family more than him? Do you love your education more than him? Do you love your status more than him? Do you love your money more than him? Do you love your sin more than him? Do you love your addiction more than him? Do you love things more than him? And Jesus would say, if you are not willing to leave those behind, no wonder why you're having a hard time following me. Tough message. But this is what Jesus does. Why? Because he wants your heart not just your actions. He wants you. He wants you. And you know why I know he wants you? My last point is this, is because Jesus not only counts the costs, but he pays the price. The Bible says that Jesus says, no man could follow me who loves this person or this person or this person more than me. 
He's like a man who builds a tower who did not count the cost so he couldn't finish it. He's also like a man who goes to war but didn't realize that he wasn't going to win the war and now he's got to go make peace with the enemy because he didn't make it. You know, the beautiful thing about that story is that it's not just us building on ourselves. The Bible says that Jesus builds us. And can I tell you that Jesus will never be the man at the tower who could not afford to finish the tower. And the reason why he can never be the one who can never finish what he started is because he already paid the price and he already count the cost. And so the reason why I know that God can help you to continue to follow him. The reason why I know that God can continue to form you in the capacity that he's called you to form you and the capacity he wants to form you is because on the cross and through the resurrection, he already purchased you. He already bought the materials. He already has the tools. He has the necessary items. And so why could God call us to something so radical? Because he already did it for us. It is easy to follow Jesus when you have the perspective that God gave everything, gave everything so that way we can draw close to him. It's hard to follow Jesus when you think you're doing it because it's on your own. It's easy when you have the perspective, when you understand that not only does Jesus count the cost, he pays the price. Friends in this room, for those that do not know Jesus or are not following him, and you're in a moment you didn't even know why you came to church, but you came to church. I'm really glad you're here. And you would say, well, man, Chris, you gotta hate your mom and your dad and you gotta give everything up. Wow, that sounds whack. That's, 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 that's a little much. Why? That, 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 that doesn't sound good to me. I'm just gonna go ahead and get more coffee on the way out and I'm gonna do my own thing. And I understand because it can sound daunting. Ask anyone in this room who is following Jesus, who has laid things down, who has surrendered their life, who has given up things to follow him. It was easy because compared to what he gave up for us, no question, no question. I'll do it a thousand times over. I'll do it again and again and again. I'll lay my life down again and again and again. If God tells me to do this, I'll do it again and again and again. Why? Because he already paid the price for me. He already counted the cost for me. The Bible says it's like a man who goes to war. He already went to war for me and he won the battle. And he's not going to stop going to war for me. He's not going to stop loving me. He's not going to stop pursuing me. He's not going to stop chasing after me. And you got to know that whether you've been in church for 20 years or two minutes, you got to know he's not going to stop running after you. He's not going to stop chasing after you. He's not going to stop desiring you. He's not going to stop wanting to have a relationship. The difference though, which I feel like what we've done wrong is that we've said that all we need is for you to know that Jesus loves you and you can live your life the way we want. No, 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 no. You have to allow yourself to experience the love of God, be transformed by the gospel, to have a life where you begin to understand that God desires a covenant and a commitment with you. And from that reality, then your life can be transformed. This is the gospel, that your life now is nothing compared to what your life would be with Jesus. And in this life with Jesus is where you find real life. It's where you find real life. And that's what God wants to be.
build in you. Oh my, mm. sorry, I just get, because I, I, I just, I just don't want to see people have an experience with God and then six months later they hate God again. And I'm just, this is the conviction of my heart. I was just talking about this with a friend earlier today. Have we preached a gospel that has given people permission to not really surrender everything to Jesus? Wholeheartedly, I'm asking myself this question in this season right now because that's what it looks like out there. Everyone could have their opinion and all their stuff. And, and I get it, you can, it's America. But when it comes to this thing, when it comes to this Bible thing, when it comes to this Christianity thing, it's not about us, it's about him. And he's the one who went to war. He's the one who went to war. Some of you in this room, you're like, man, no one's ever fought for me. I feel like I'm all alone. I feel like I'm, I'm stuck. I feel like no one cares about me. I want to tell you that Jesus is fighting for you now. It's the reason you're here. He is fighting behind the scenes. He is moving. He is shaking. Why? Because he will win your heart. And he won't stop to the day you die to try to win your heart. He is never going to stop trying to win your heart. And he is never going to stop trying to build you to the capacity he knows you're supposed to be built. He wants to build you to be a tower so that way people can see what it looks like to be built by the sun. He will build you to the capacity so that way you can invite people to your home and other people can experience Jesus. He's not done building you, so then why would you be done letting him build you? Why would we negate following Jesus when God has so much more for us to do authentic formation comes through authentic discipleship Jesus would call us to this today Jesus would ask us this question Jesus would imagine right you just turn around like how he turned around in the Bible and I love that God even though he makes the terms he never breaks the promise yeah even when we break the promise he doesn't break even when we break covenant even when we break the commitments all through the bible you see this god creating commitments covenants with his people and then people breaking the covenant breaking relationship and god's like man you're gonna have to deal with it and then his heart gets sturdy he's like no i want them back i want them back i want them back And this is what God would call us to. Discipleship is not these rules and regulations. No, discipleship is this love with Jesus, this passion for God, this pursuit to follow God's heart, to trust him wholeheartedly, to live a life where I am pursuing the one that loves me more than anyone I could ever imagine, who has won my soul, who has who has healed me and set me free. I will give my life to that man a thousand times over and a thousand times again because I know what it was like without him and I know what it's like with him. And I'll tell you today, friends, there is nothing like Jesus. There is no one like Jesus. There will never be anyone like Jesus. There will never be anything like following Jesus. And although I might got to lose some things and I got to let some things go, that's okay because I know if I have him, it's worth it. It's, it's, it's completely worth it. It's the best thing we can ever have because he is the best thing. He is the goal. He is the desire. David calls it, he is the one thing. 
make sure that God is building on me. I want to make sure that I'm following. I want to make sure that I'm in relationship. I want to make sure I'm in step with what God wants to do with my life. I want to make sure that I'm following Jesus wholeheartedly. I think that's the question God would ask you today as well. Stand to your feet with me. Thank you again for tuning into our podcast. For more info, please visit our website at thrivelathrop.com. Have an amazing rest of your week.